Hello, welcome to Down Syndrome Radio. We are back for 2013 with episode 16. And our topic tonight is uh, what your local Down Syndrome Association can do for you. We are the Downright Awesome Dads. Uh, I'm Mark. And we have with us Rick Kosmalski. How you doing, Rick? Happy New Year. Awesome. And uh, Jason Kosky over there on the left coast there. Hello, hello. How's it going? How you guys doing? You feeling rusty because we haven't done this since last year? Yeah, dust off the cobwebs. There you go. <laughs> Lots of material, that means. Yeah, that's no. right. It's coming out both ends, I hear. <laughs> Lick, the material. Rick, let's let's hear the update from your house, Rick. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, we got the material. Uh, my uh, son is four months old today, so... Happy birthday, uh, buddy. Yeah, thank you. It's going great. Um, um, Kayla is uh, liking her little brother more and more every day, and uh, we're having a good time, so... Uh, I, I just not to take it there already, but we're you know we're just having uh, fun with a blowout a day with the kids. So have have you taught uh, Kayla to change a diaper yet? Man, she <laughs> she, she <laughs> she's interested. She's interested. He's like on he's on like number three size diapers, and he's four months old. It's craziness. Wow, that's pretty good. Well, you know, yeah. food in equals boy. poop out, buddy. Oh man, yeah, and he's 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 like an arm breaker. You know, he's like sixteen or seventeen pounds, and. Kayla was just a, you know, she was just petite little girl, and now they get this big boy, and it's, it's, it's a different story. Yeah, well, it, I think that awesome. should be one of the self-help skills that you should teach her. You know, not all of them are about putting her own stuff, you know, together, that she can teach her how to change diapers. There you go. Help you out in your house, man. Yeah, the flip side is we got all these really cool boy toys for Christmas, which, um, so we're getting away from all the pink stuff. It's been like <laughs> for six years, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, man, that is awesome. All right, well, good for you. How about Thanks. you, Jason? Uh, we're doing okay. We've had an interesting week here. Um, Dexman has been having some stomach issues for the last few weeks. Um, lots of lots of blowouts on our end as well. Um, we've been trying to give him a limited diet, and then every, every time we kind of work something back in, he has a relapse. So we're trying to figure out these stomach problems. And then today he kind of had a little bit of a fever and just was generally upset. Have you tried and duct taping the diapers on? No. It's not, it's not a problem of them falling off. It's a problem of the stuff getting out. Uh-huh. So, well, I don't know. Maybe duct tape would work for that. Yeah. To seal it on there. Some spray glue, maybe. We have to do an episode on diapers. Yeah, Caulking, man. maybe. Maybe some caulk. And an episode on kids being sick too. Yeah, we got a lot of that. We got a lot of that. We got we got one here. We got my uh, my daughter's upstairs with a hundred and something fever, and then I had it for a little bit. Uh, but Luke hasn't gotten it, so uh, I guess we can. We got that to be thankful about. <laughs> oh, that's good. Are you guys ready to cover our big topic and reveal our very important and lovely guest? Sure, bring it on. All right, tonight's topic is what your local Down Syndrome Association can do for you. And uh, uh, both Jason and Rick, you're on the board of your local um, associations. And I have one of our board members here from the Down Syndrome Association of Greater Richmond, who just happens to be my lovely wife, Kim. Kim, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I twisted my arm. I did. I had to twist my arm. We, she kept saying, well, what about this person? What about that? Nobody is as good as she is. I'm sure of it. I agree. Agreed. All right. Well, Kim drew me a chart here that I have in front of me. She has an excellent grasp as to how the whole flow is supposed to work, as how this is going to help you. And I thought I'd give her a minute to go through and explain it to folks as to how that flow works. Well, Mark wanted me to start off with an overall structure, and I thought it'd be best to read our mission statement, as kind of boring as it is. I think almost everybody's mission statement of the individual associations are kind of the same, and it's to... Um, to improve the quality of life for individuals with Down syndrome and their families provi- by providing access to programs that focus on education, community service, public awareness, medical issues, research, advocacy, legal issues, and parenting. And so I think the way most organizations are structured is that they all have little program areas such as government or social or education, uh, fundraising, 
public awareness and all have programs that support one of those different areas. Some are more functional Down syndrome associations and bigger than others. Several have many staff members. Um, Some are just run by volunteers. We just hired our first part-time executive director in July and that has made a lot of difference. So um, that's kind of in general what the, the structure looks like. You went up above the Down Syndrome Association to a couple other organizations. I kind of like the way that flowed. Well, I think above the Down Syndrome Associations, you have the National Down Syndrome Congress, which is in Georgia, and they're the ones that put on the um, annual conference. And then you have the National Down Syndrome Society, which is in Washington, D.C., I think. And they're the ones that do a lot of the advocacy and the legislative work. And then you have what I have discovered, and Rick, I know you know what this is now, um, the Down Syndrome Affiliates in Action, and our executive director is actually on their board. And this is like a trade association for Down Syndrome associations. Helps them run more efficiently, helps them develop programs. It's something you belong to, and they have an annual conference. And um, they're actually doing an interesting project, if you look on their website, called Gaps in the Map. And they're trying to look across the United States and see where there are areas in the United States where people are not being served by a Down Syndrome Association. Pretty fascinating project, pretty neat. Uh, just to make sure that everybody has access to good programming and good information. So I thought we just would go round robin style and talk about, uh, you know, where each of our boards is at in their lives and what they might be good at, what they might be not good at, what their direction is and, and, and how they're working. You want to start with with Richmond or do you want to no, just pass it on? Somebody else start. Rick, you've been involved way more longer than we have. Why don't you start? Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm in, in all of this for six years now, so my daughter's six, and I've been on the board, and uh, as a at-large board member, participated in everything that's involved with that, which I'll, I'll talk about, and then also um, with the newly formed Dads Group in Delaware that's been around for a year, and being a part of that as a, a board member, I guess, if you will. So... Uh, the Down Syndrome Association of Delaware, very similar with as to what you talked about with Richmond, with the focus of you know being a supportive resource and advocating for acceptance and understanding, um, and being a, a point of gathering and information. So uh, we uh, at the Down Syndrome Association of Delaware uh, create uh, informational uh, seminars that happen monthly. Uh, throughout the year during the, uh, aside, aside from like uh, busy times of the year around the holidays, which would be bringing in speakers on different topics um, uh, from, uh, our next one coming up is sexuality, but also uh, things like behavior and um, uh, potty training, uh, total all different topics from beginning to end, uh, transitions. Um, so uh, informational uh, pieces as well as which is called programming uh, for the technical term there also are events that are held for um, the different age groups of people that are and families that are involved so uh, you have your your new parents you have uh, middle-aged uh, you know kids not yet teenagers and then teenage activities and and beyond so uh, those things are out there, as well as advocacy efforts, which is a new thing that we're getting into more and more. Um, so you have this great support uh, for new families and new parents through your Down Syndrome Association, and now we're looking more to expand our role as far as uh, what what happens next, what happen, where do we go with transitions out of school, are the supports from an education and housing and medical perspective there, and transportation, all the big things that you think about. Uh, so from a national level, how can we help support that? And also from a state level, uh, who are the people we need to know? What do we need to do? And what are other organizations that are similar to ours doing where we can team up and uh, get the best results? Uh, so uh, those things are, and then of course there's the, the buddy walk and the fundraising side of things. So you have a completely separate uh, committee uh, you know, made of, of a lot of the same people, but focusing on raising funds to help uh, provide scholarships and uh, these uh, programming events and different things throughout the year to help our funding. And our main focus is the Buddy Walk, and we have something called Run for the Buds, which is a, a 5K, half marathon, and full marathon. And um, 
there's Buddy that we have uh, walks both in um, northern Delaware and southern Delaware at the beach. So one's called the Boardwalk Buddy Walk, and the other one's called. It seemed like you could walk the, the entire walk. length of Delaware, can't you? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be our next walk. It's going to just Delaware. kidding. Rick, what Down Syndrome Association are you affiliated with? Down Syndrome Association of Delaware. Oh, it's the so en- it's called the it's entire DSA state Delaware.org, which is going to have a new website uh, very soon. So there's a website out there now. Uh, and we're going through a website update, and, and that's uh, one of the biggest expenses you may have as an organization is is websites and updates and finding the most efficient way to uh, keep that, your that information out there on the web. That's a whole other thing to talk about. Rick, have you uh, uh, have you jumped to the level of hiring somebody full time or part time? Do you have any paid we, people? Yes, yes. We actually started last year uh, with our first part time uh, paid person, and uh, the. the it's a big step, and it's a controversial step, but I think it's something that you see the successful uh, organizations doing, and it really uh, helps from a pressure perspective and planning perspective, uh, from taking a, the look of being a traditional parent-run organization and taking a step more towards a business and uh, having those resources dedicated uh, of one person to make sure your programming is scheduled and, and planning and looking forward. So it's, I think it's helpful, um, and you definitely see the benefit of that uh, and the the way that that's making things a little easier for the people involved and the parents involved. Uh, when you have some one person dedicated, you can look towards to make sure that things are going to happen when they're going to happen. So, so yeah, oh, yeah so we, we started we that. Saw, we started we saw that a big year. difference when we had a part, uh, an executive director, and also it's just upped the professionalism of the organization, which gets you more respect in the community, which brings in more money and more uh, programming. So it's cyclical once you create something that's more uh, non-parent run and not run all by volunteers. So is the, is the executive director, is that – just a, a parent who's assur- assumed a full-time position or is it like a third party that you guys have brought in well in in my situation and in richmond it sounds like it's different ours actually is not an executive director yet so it's more of an administrative role uh, that's helping out to make the everything function and then we still the executive board or executive committee is still uh, providing a lot of the direction i mean we may eventually move towards the executive director piece and so maybe that's the goal eventually um, but right now, it's it's more of an administrative support type thing to help us get set up, put together for things like grants and uh, uh, aligning, uh, just and scheduling and making sure everything's coming together uh, for events throughout the year. Uh, one of the other big things that we did in addition to that is uh, having your books professionally audited so that you can apply for grants and uh, just to what Kim was saying, being more official, more put together. Uh, so that's that's another thing that we're working do, on. Do you feel, Rick, in the in the six years you've been involved, that uh, things have improved? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's all about how, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So you really need to be involved and give feedback and talk through things. And uh, the more people that do that, the better off your organization is. And I think definitely, yeah. This is our we're having our ten year buddy walk this year, and uh, that has. Some, I mean, you you can kind of judge the success of the organization based on the success of your buddy walk, I think, a little. And uh, it's getting, it's got bigger and bigger each year, and um, that goes the same for the fundraising involved with it. So I think uh, definitely things have progressed. And the reach is larger. More people are participating, and we just want to continue that trend. So, so yeah, what do you say, Jason? You want to give us a quick update about uh, um, San Diego? Well, sure, but but it's certainly not going to be as detailed. I I am I think, you know, one of the reasons that we're doing this topic is because I was asked to be on the board um of the San Diego DSA and and accepted and we have our first meeting I think next weekend and I sort of uh reached out to Kim and um you and Rick to to get some some feedback and some ideas about about how your DSAs are run, mostly because, as Rick said, I, I don't think I've gotten, I don't think we've gotten a lot out of the our DSA because I don't think we've 
we, we had we didn't really mesh well at the very beginning. I don't know if we jumped into the to the like big support group thing too soon. I mean, Dexter was only like a couple months old, and we went and um, instead of going to a smaller, uh, maybe new parent group or something like that. Um, <clears throat> and and I just I'm not I, I don't think we've put in enough. And um, that that was part of the reason why I why I wanted to be on the board was to to try to get new people who who are in the position I was in two years ago um, more involved right away and and have it be a more positive experience. Um, we have been very involved in in the Buddy Walk, um, which has been a very very great experience. For us, and and I hope to um, definitely get it involved with uh, in that on a on the committee level or whatever. Um, once I once I'm on the board officially, um, to kind of jazz it up a little bit or add some new new blood to it, because um, I think we've been very very um, influential and and very we've. we've Raised, uh, we were in the we were the top fundraiser this year, and we were the second place last year. So we've you know we've done a really good job raising money for the Buddy Walk. So I think we have some good ideas that 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 will fly really well. Um, and I think you're following the natural progression of this too, Jason. Like you get into it, and you know the first thing you're doing is you have all this gung ho momentum behind you, and for bringing people together for things like the Buddy Walk, and you're learning more and learning more, and now you're moving into the next phase of you know, b- taking the lead on things or providing feedback and being an advocate like that. I, I think that's great what you're doing. That that's exact. I'm sure that there's other people in your area that need that as well. Uh, you know, and to have someone step up and do that, that's, that's what we need to see. So, um, I think from my personal path, it was following the same, uh, if, if you look back in time, kind of the same way we you know we got into it. We were into the buddy walks, we were into the fundraising events, and now we're. Th- and then you're thinking, okay, well, what else can I do, or how can I make things better for everybody? And then you join the board, and I think that's a, a great way to go about it. Well, and I think the natural progression, like you were talking about, is for you, an organization, to increase its fundraising to a point at which it really has to start developing stronger programs, uh, because they both have to work together. And I think a lot of the organizations started with social programs; those are pretty easy. Um, you know, your basic social programs for play groups and teen groups and that kind of thing. And, and then once the support for the walks gets strong enough and your revenues get strong enough and, and big enough, then you have to have other programs that are a little bit more mature to justify raising all of that money. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, I would say that we started as a social parent organization and we really are just turning the corner to kind of being bigger. And we're rolling out our first conference in two weeks, a national a national style conference, um, but at the regional level. And we're really excited about that because not only does it serve a need for our members, but it also serves a need, we think, for the community because it's an opportunity for educators and the professionals and the um, parents to come together. It's, you know, it's a kind of a no children conference. And uh, we were able to do that um, because we received a grant, but also because we kind of got big enough to be able to manage something like that. So we're really excited about where that's going to go in our educational area on the kind of educational programming person and so I've got lots of great ideas of what different other organizations are doing um, to uh, work more with their educators and also kind of educate the parents a little bit better the other thing that I did was um, I've subscribed to the newsletters of some of the larger Down syndrome associations that are in our area and then also around the United States so you kind of start learning who the big Down syndrome associations are and if you get your their newsletters especially the Down syndrome Guild of Kansas City and you just get on their Facebook pages, you just see all the different innovative programs that they have that really help just all, you know, all of the kids from all the different ages. It's just inspiring. And you say, oh, I want to bring that program to my community. (laughs) And then if you have the money to be able to do it, it really helps. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And that's that's something that was easily overlooked, I think, is to think what's happening outside of your little world right because you're used to all you're talking to everybody that's around you in the beginning 
and then you, then you go to maybe a national conference or something like that, and you're like, wow, there's a bigger world out there. There's other areas that are doing different things. What's the structure like in different uh, Down syndrome associations, and what are they doing? And uh, that really opens your eyes. So liking all those groups on Facebook, on Twitter, getting their newsletters, you know, it's a lot of stuff that could come your way, but, um, you know, something might catch your eye and it's worth implementing in your state. If you want, we can take a few minutes just to talk about some of those innovative programs, because I know that um, many of our members who just kind of sit on the periphery and don't really uh, know a lot about what we do in our organization, when I'll talk to them about some of my ideas, they're like, wow, didn't know that other organizations built those type of relationships or had those kind of programs. And when you think outside the box a little bit and you bring some of these other good programs to your own community, people are really excited about it. If you wanted to, if you want, we can kind of talk through some of the ones that we've seen in different areas. And Sure. So the, this is kind of like a wish list of ones you've heard about from around the country. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of my, edu- well, on the education size wish list, but on first call and government action, we have we have kind of wish lists in all areas. Well, let me let me just make a point on that. You know, each DSA is built up of the people in it, and when whatever they want to do, if they have the will and, of course, the manpower and the volunteers to do it, then they'll do it. So it seems like each one kind of gets stronger and weaker dependent upon the level of volunteer support that it's get, and, and, and ours has been really growing. So we have the power, or if, if your DSA has the, the willpower and the, the, and the people with the energy, they can go after some of these extra other things that can really make a difference as well. Is that right? Right. Okay, right. tell us about I mean, that. all it takes is a person with some ideas. So, you know, my interest areas are certainly in the younger ages, but there's, there's a variety of Down syndrome associations that have brought the learning program uh, that we talked about with Dana Haley. Yes, Dana um, Haley. Yeah, and, and, and just being able to implement that on a program level and actually have, you know, workshops every month where uh, the students can come and learn how to read and math skills while their parents are learning other programs. I mean, those all are organized through Down Syndrome Associations, and we'd love, I'd love to start that here. We've also um, seen Smart Start Kindergarten programs where they take parents through kind of a six-week class on how to prepare your child for kindergarten specific to children with special needs. That's kind of on my wish list. Uh, we actually are moving towards a different programming. We used to have monthly meetings. Well, we still have monthly meetings, but we used to have monthly meetings that primarily had um, a speaker, but getting people there on a Friday night for a speaker that we were flying in halfway across the United States to speak for an hour and a half was was kind of challenging. So that's why we rolled out the conference. And even with the conference, uh, national conference two hours away from us last summer, there was still a lot of people in Richmond who couldn't make a national conference, nor could they pay for it. And our conference that we're rolling out is only $30 for a whole day's worth of um, you know, speakers that are, some of them are from out of town. And we're also going to be doing two one-day workshops for um, our um, our members and the community to, you know, dig more in depth on some of those particular topics that people liked on inclusion or on behavior. So we'll be having some top name name speakers to come in and talk about those kind of issues. I've seen people do IEP roundtables. I've seen Down Syndrome Associations hire an IEP consultant. There's one Down Syndrome Association that has uh, for its members, every member gets one IEP consult, two hours, I'm going to say, every year, and from an IEP expert, an advocate, for free. And they've decided to put their money into something like that. So there's kind of an IEP area. Are, are there ones that uh, interface with the local counties and, and the schools? And, you know, because there's always this kind of adversarial relationship to say, hey, you know, I want inclusion or I want more early intervention services or whatever. Is there any times where the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the local Down Syndrome Association will either work well with or maybe they hire some lawyers and fight them? Yeah, there's um, a Down Syndrome Specialist Program that's been developed by the Down Syndrome Guild in Kansas City, but it's been implemented, I want to say, maybe 10 different school districts around the United States. And in that case, um, each school district appoints a person to be a a point of contact in the um, educational setting um, for the Down Syndrome community, and they're educated on Down Syndrome um, education, um, particular education techniques, and they're also that person is usually is a school employee and that person is then um, a point of contact for the down syndrome community if any questions come up um, in ieps throughout um, 
the school year and there needs to be some due diligence, they can call the Down Syndrome Association and there's just kind of this one-on-one relationship where there isn't right now. Um, actually, all our county schools, even in the counties surrounding Richmond, all have an autism um, specialist person that's a point of contact, but there isn't one for Down Syndrome because it's just not as prevalent. But this type of program has been developed and um, has been proven that it, it works and having those type of liaisons, it just takes people to roll it out. That's um, that's another one that specifically focuses on inside the schools. Yeah, that's impressive too. When you when you get to see that, um, I know that we don't have that in Delaware, but we like to have something like that. But uh, on the flip side of that, your local Down Syndrome Association can point you in the direction of an advocate that can help you. So that not necessarily that it's it's someone uh, specific to the Down Syndrome community, but uh, the developmental disability community in general. Uh, where they could direct you and help you with IEPs or things along those lines. Uh, so, you know, making sure you get pointed in the right direction for the right resource is something that your Down Syndrome Association can do, or uh, parents also in uh, your Down Syndrome Association can do for you as well. Well, and what I've thought about when I think about this educational side is I think, um, what are the issues that parents deal with throughout the life of educating their child, really from the preschool up to, you know, the transition age out into adulthood, and how can your Down Syndrome Association help you through that? And certainly providing a social connection is probably one of the most important and how it started by calling a friend and saying, well, how did you deal with this particular issue and being able to communicate? But beyond that, what are the other types of programs that the organization can develop to assist with that, whether it's an IEP consultant or a list of advocates or just seminars on IEPs, or is it, you know, best inclusion strategies, or is it, you know, a behavioralist, you know, the it could run the gamut. And I think um, that a lot of these grants are looking for innovative programs. And I think a lot of the Down Syndrome Associations are looking for innovative programs that we can share with each other and say, well, this one worked in my community and we're, you know, school systems are basically kind of the same. Isn't there a reason we could pick this up and replicate it in other communities across the United States? So um, that's kind of how I've been thinking. And I'm always on the lookout for programs that look like they're working and something that we could bring here. So is that is that what what DSAIA is for basically? I mean how how do you find a, a good program that is working somewhere else and you want to to even decide whether to implement it in in your own local organization? Well, the way that I've found, I've only found DSAIA within the past year or so and been following what they do. I do know that they focus late, they focus a lot on just basically how to run a good nonprofit and how to do fundraising, mm-hmm. how to make sure that your books look right, um, how to set up a newsletter, how to set up your webpage, basically the ins and outs of a nonprofit. That's not all they're their mission is. Um, Certainly it's to help people with good programming. And I um, actually signed up to help the director of DSAIA with their educational committee where they're trying to not only educate their association members on those type of nonprofit profit 101 issues, but also on uh, programming issues and also trying to get these educational topics where we're really just even bringing in speakers to some of these smaller Down syndrome associations. If you think, um, you know, we're all associated in large communities, but if you're in a small town in Nebraska and you want to bring somebody in the latest and greatest on behavior, it might be difficult to have the funding to be able to do that. So what can the DSAIA do to facilitate learning on these topics for all the associations is there kind of a webinar program we can come up with or something like that so that's um, that's one of the ideas and then of course the second one is how to you know how to replicate some of these programs I think that's probably where it's the weakest because um, I think the Down Syndrome associations are really just emerging in that area on how to kind of go beyond social and go beyond monthly meetings and how to really create these partnerships so it it could be that that's the area where that type of information exchange will happen. It's, you know, just not the, the, the main focus, I think, of the organization, but I do think it's its mission. 
All right, I, I got a kind of a another topic in this whole thing to go over. I want to make sure you guys didn't already talk about it because, you know, with both Kim and I on here, you know, we have no backup. So I, I had to sneak upstairs for a minute and calm down. Luke <laughs> had fallen out of bed. Uh, <laughs> right. That, that happened right about when we asked you to talk, Jason. And what, what I wanted to talk about was, and this came up um, when I went to this training for First Call, which is another important program that I really like. They, they were very concerned about... Um, uh, how new members found the organization and the fact that it's very difficult to know what percentage of individuals with Down syndrome had found or, or, or joined or were a part of the organization. And uh, the, the link back to you, Jason, is that you know, since you're kind of just the newest in this whole thing, what were the mm. things that you were looking for, hoping that the organization could do for you, and, and how did you hear about them? Like other people telling you or was there some sort of a, a, a website or a link or how did that work? Uh, you know, it's a pretty good question because it's it's hard to remember everything. Um, <clears throat> but I I believe that we I believe that we got a phone call, and and I, I'm still pretty clueless about how things work in San Diego because we have we have something here called the Exceptional Family Resource Center, which somehow is tied in to our local DSA. I think may, maybe they're the um, professional organization that has that has um, you know full time staff um, that handles uh, IEP support, kind of like what Kim was talking about with uh, advocates for IEP and and things like that. Um, but I believe we got a call from from someone who works there, and I spoke to her for a while, and and I think that's how we we found out about the meetings. It, it could be I just found out about them online. Um, honestly, it, it was all kind of a blur. And uh, I knew that, I know that, that Colette did not want to go to the meeting um, in the beginning when I, when I sort of not forced us to go, but, you know, I really wanted to just learn more um, about Down syndrome. I really hadn't, I was still pretty clueless at that time and and I mean I, I don't know and it it had been I think Dexter was was two months old maybe um, when we went to the first meeting and so I just kind of wanted to to see what was out there and meet more people and 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 um, it was just pretty overwhelming for Colette I think I, I, I sat through most of the meeting Colette kind of bailed um, Part of the way through, it, it, the San, the way the San Diego one is run is kind of interesting. That there's, it's divided up, um, at least into two sections. Into a North San Diego County is is huge, and and the DSA covers all of San Diego County, and so there's a North County, and a and a Central San Diego. I don't think there's a South County, but there. So it might even be split up into three sections. So we're three different um, support group type meetings um, and then even further the the central San Diego which is closer for us um, was broken up there's kind of a, a big um, auditorium where everyone met and kind of had light dinner like pizza and stuff and did some a little bit of mingling but um, then the speaker came, and and it's divided even further down into an English-speaking section and a Spanish-speaking section because there's, you know, a considerable number of um, Spanish-speaking people here in San Diego. Uh, so that just divided it up even even more, which I guess is is good. Um, to I, I don't you know I don't know I just didn't. Feel like we meshed. I, I think it was probably too early, and I was looking for more um, specific information, and not any information about IEPs or IFSPs or or whatever the the topic of discussion was for that monthly. When when, when I think of a first meeting like that, Jason, I think you know. 
the important thing would be for you to meet somebody that had a child about you know your age or perhaps a, a person who had a child that was a, a, a few years older that was you know seemed to have things well in hand that could kind of take you under their wing so that that, that kind of didn't happen no see that would i think that would have been very good yeah no that didn't happen but basically um the only people who i can really remember talking to had much older children even in their 20s and that it just sort of and even to this day that's sort of what i one of the things that i think is wrong with our group is that it's there's a lot of older blood in there and that that there needs to be newer younger um members and to kind of skew it back to that that demographic and our board i think just our board itself half the people have children under five and but you do need to have those people who have kind of been through this process and because they understand kind of what is needed and certainly what um people need at all different ages um, mm-hmm. I always find that if I talk to somebody who has a child who's 25 or 30, it really helps me get some perspective on the programming side of things. But, uh, and I would say that we have really strong programs for our younger ones so that people's first entree into the association is usually a play group or some kind of small social function versus a meeting. And to be honest, we didn't go to our first meeting till Luke was a year old and we didn't even attend our first walk until he was too. <laughs> so uh, I want to bring this back to, sure. the, to the topic I was discussing. And there's this kind of weird parallel between your local association and a church. You know, not to get religious or anything, but, you know, they're always looking for new members. And one of the ways that you do that is you make sure when somebody comes and they're new to be, you know, kind of extra special nice to them. There's, you know, a basket. And I, I know our organization does that. We send somebody kind of a welcome basket. And there's and there's that whole kind of thing. This discussion we had at this first call meeting was where there's, there's really no way to know what percentage of the population of individuals with Down syndrome we actually serve. Because I, I asked the question. I said, well, you know, do you think it's half? Do you think it's three quarters? And there really is no way to know. You know, there could be no, people out there. Right. I mean, Richmond is a is a is a metropolitan area, but you get past the city outskirts and it gets rural quick. You know, mm-hmm. there could be people out there that really don't even know the organization exists, or there could be inner city people, or maybe there's people who just aren't interested. I don't know, but you know, there's always this fear that there's people that could be helped by being part of the organization out there, and that they're just not being reached. Yeah, I think that's extremely correct like you'll go to or I'll go to things that and you'll see someone with down syndrome and you say wow that's the first time I ever saw them or first time I ever met that family and you have no idea uh, that they were in the same you know uh, region that you are or a local area well and I've heard some people tell me that they haven't been to a meeting you know they might not be at a meeting for a while because um, you know, they didn't really want to come for the social reasons. And I think, you know, if our association is, Im- the impression is that we're only there for the social aspect, then, you know, we need to advertise ourselves a little bit more because if you're, you know, you don't want to do the social groups because you already have your friends or for whatever reason, you just don't feel like you're on the socializing part, then we have to build up the strength in some of the other programs that, bring the other people in and and I also think that a lot of the um, well a, a, a certain percentage of people that are not served are actually kind of the underserved um, kind of the minority population the low-income population they just don't come to our meetings they're held in middle-class neighborhoods they're not on a bus line um, so we've we've had to grapple with that as as do a lot of associations and uh, you know we're we'll probably be working on that in the in, in the distant future to try to kind of figure out how to reach reach that population as well. Okay, so I was going to kind of summarize at the end. Is there any other topics people want to cover before I kind of do the summary? No. I, th- I just right. think it's, I just wanted to touch, you know, that you're talking about something that um, your, your Down Syndrome Association should 
or would like to have representation from all groups, I think, and provide something for everybody. And if it's not there from what you're saying, um, it's a good opportunity for you to speak up and, and be a part of it. And I think that that's kind of what I'm getting from being in this and, and seeing the way, the way things uh, happen in my local area. So, you know, I'd encourage anyone listening to this to take that step to do that. And it, you know, it may not be the most comfortable thing in the world at first, but the more you talk about it and the more you get involved, the easier it is. So uh, that's, that's my plug for being involved with the DSAs. That's Kim for you. She gets involved. She checks things out to see where they're at. She decides there's parts that she wants to see more of. And instead of just complaining about it, she just goes and makes it happen. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very good. All right, you guys so ready? I actually do have a question. Oh, go ahead. Um, so we're grappling with like preschool selection and things like that for Dexter now. And the one thing that I would really love to see is some sort of, you know, Yelp. Like I don't know if you guys know what Yelp is, but it, it's yep. like a it's like a recommendation site for restaurants and things like that. But sure. for you know for the local from the local community uh, for preschools or even even regular schools, um, anything really, any sort of sort of activity therapists, right? Um, well, I can yeah. tell you how that's handled in Richmond. I don't know how Rick does it there, but um, it's it's not you know super organized like a Yelp or anything. But we actually have a Yahoo group made up of pretty much anybody who's kind of have a, has a child with Down syndrome from like zero to to nine and nine or ten. You know, some people are kind of aging out of it. It's it's a pretty big group and Richmond's surrounded by multiple counties so you're you know you kind of have to make recommendations based on the county that you live in and and different counties are known for different reputations but you put a question out there that's like especially on preschools because not a lot of preschools are very inclusive focused you know I live in so-and-so I'm interested in sending my child to a regular preschool versus the county program you know what do you all think of this People aren't shy. They're, they'll tell you what they think, and it's the best way to turn it, find out about therapists, and, and they know it's a closed group. So if you don't have something like that, um, you know, maybe you should just go to your Down Syndrome Association and ask, tell them you'd like to create an email um, user group, get people's emails, and ask them if they want to be part of it, and give it a try and see, and see what happens. We also have a Facebook group that's similar, although I don't feel as comfortable posting those kind of questions on Facebook as I do in this Yahoo group. Uh, there's usually nothing that's very disparaging or anything, but you know, people will generally, you know, be a little bit more open about what they think. And it's been a really good communication device. If you want anything, you post it on Yahoo group and it's uh, just a young play group group. And it's the way I found out. I find out everything that's going on, but it's all word of mouth. You know, a lot yeah. of it is, oh, I was at a party with such and such, and afterwards I talked to him about, you know, what uh, preschool teachers were good or bad or whatever. Yeah, and we've gotten, the way we work it is, you know, you know it, things are so county-specific, so we have kind of our county group of children that, our parents that have children three to five years old who have Down syndrome, and anytime now I have a question, I kind of send an email to that eight, those eight moms, and I say, okay. This is what's going on now in my IEP meeting. What do you think? You know, and so we've kind of grown up <laughs> in the past couple of years together and uh, can kind of help each other out because once you get to the school, counties become really specific in the way that they do things. So we've, we've kind of networked that way. And that's been kind of helpful because um, uh, I think we've created a force in some of the IEP meetings that we can kind of, they know that when we, when you go into an IEP meeting and you say something, it's not just you saying it. Every All the other seven people who went into their seven IEP meetings are saying the exact same things. We want this. And we kind of have a little bit of a united front too. So it's that's been kind of good. Hey, Jason, there's a house for sale across the cul-de-sac <laughs> from us. And we know the perfect preschool for Dex to go to. That would be that would be great. And Eloise Except too. Your brother's trying to get me by a, a house in his cul-de-sac too. So <laughs> I don't I don't know how I can do both. And uh, all right, I'm going to summarize thanks. real quick if that's all right, so we can move on to the uh, other stuff. So, sure. just to answer the question, what can your Down syndrome association do for you? It seemed like there were two levels of that. There was truly what it could do for you and your child, 
And that was, you know, to connect you into the other people so that you can make a network of parents and ask questions just like you mentioned, Jason. You know, and you could feel connected. You won't feel uh, isolated and whatnot. So that's just the social connection. I think that had to be the start of it all, right? And then there's the educational programs, which are ways to, you know, to teach you better nutrition, uh, better education, all those different programs, right? But then... There's another level to it. So you, you, know, you join for the networking and you join for the education programs. But once you get involved, there are certain things you can do that will help all children or all adults or all individuals with DS. And those are things like government action where by banding together, you know, you have the, uh, uh, the collective voice to get things done. There's fundraising and there's also awareness, which I think is incredibly important as well. So there's kind of like the two levels. There's the stuff that's specific for your child that kind of lures you in. And then once you're in, you get excited about it. There are these things that kind of collectively help our community. How's that sound? Sounds very good. Yeah, right on. All right, guys. So then do you want to move on to uh, um, some stories, Rick? Sure. Sure. Uh, so uh, feel good stories of the week, as we used to call them, or maybe they still are. Uh, there's there's one uh, hot one out there this past week about uh, an eighth grader uh, named Owen uh, Grosser, I believe his last name's pronounced. And basically, uh, he's in eighth grade. He plays basketball. He um, got a chance to play in the game and made two three-pointers during the game. Uh, the rest of his teammates uh, were so... Uh, impressed with his play uh, they started a Twitter campaign to get uh, his three pointers on uh, Sports Center, and they got the word out and, and it grew eventually uh, Robert Griffin RG3 from uh, the Washington Redskins retweeted it uh, to the point that Sports Center heard and they uh, showed him on the plays of the uh, day for uh, last Wednesday in the top 10 plays so uh, pretty awesome to be, able to be able to see that and to see that level of achievement so uh great you know the the great thing about that whole story is it's it's pushed by the teammates and the uh teammates that he has in eighth grade uh not just being pushed by parents or something or the local even dsa that's being pushed by the community so that's really fantastic to see so, that's what so what do you want. think we're we gonna see him as a harlem globetrotter <laughs> yeah then whatever he wants to be Definitely. So, uh, so that's that's one uh, great one. And then the other uh, that's floating around that's making a lot of headlines is uh, a waiter. And I think it's in Texas where uh, there was a, a waiter who uh, saw a family, uh, regular customers, um, came into the restaurant. He had a regular family kid with Down syndrome that's always there. That you know was just part of the local community. Uh, another family was in there. Uh, the restaurant and made a comment that, that well first off they didn't want to sit next to the family child with Down syndrome and then uh, they said that um, something along the lines of people with special needs should sit somewhere else and uh, the waiter told that overheard that told the family that was making or the person who was making the uh, comment that I'm sorry I can't serve you here uh, to which those customers got up and left the restaurant uh, all the while, the family with the child with Down syndrome did not know any of this was happening, and uh, it later got back to them. To, to you know, and they were really, of course, uh, grateful for um, this waiter standing up uh, for their child, which is what I think any of us as parents would be amazed to see and happy. Um, so, along with um, just just this advocacy of people in the community, just same type of story, someone standing up. Uh, for someone with Down syndrome, and it's boy, that's it's a, a that, that's a two-edged too. story, Rick. You know, I mean, I, I can't even believe there are people out there like that. I just that just that just shocks me. You know, I I, I know it's real, but I, I don't I don't well, see it often. And uh, boy, I sure hope I don't ever. Well, you, you know, you, it's it's a it's a reality check, and you really need to think about that because this story ties in really close to a lot of situations with the R word and. We're all going to be, you know, and we always are presented with situations where you think, should I say something or should I, should I not say something? And, you know, what's the best route to take here? And, you know, some people just never really think about it in or think about the words that are, that are saying. And this could be a good opportunity to, you know, just take it to heart and say, hey, you know, maybe I can help somebody understand through my eyes. To, to me, the, the flip situation. side of the story is, 
you know, the waiter's reaction. And to me, the way to make there be more of that in the world is inclusion. You know, this is the two-way street that, you know, when, 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 when Luke's in a classroom with a bunch of normal kids, that, you know, they become more accustomed to that and more comfortable around that and that, you know, they just take that for the rest of their lives and, 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 and they're better people for it. And uh, this waiter must have had a dosage of that. That's all I got to say. Yeah. This, uh, I, I have a comment on, on, on another related story to the sports was that didn't the um, uh, U.S. Department of Education this week determine that people with or children with disabilities have the right to be included in school sports? Am I getting that right? Do you know anything about that story, Rick? Yeah, there there was a, a hearing of our an announcement about that. I don't know the the details about that myself. Well, I was kind of confused. I see it go out you know what? I retweeted something about that, but I didn't get well, a chance to read this. Yeah, story, I mean, so. I, it was talking about inclusion and everything like that, which I'm all for. But you know, most of, most of what I know about middle school sports and high school sports, for the most part, um, you know, you have to try out. Um, and there's many people that don't have disabilities that are not included. So I was kind of curious as to what that actually did, if it, that allowed more children, students with disabilities to be included in the way that that um, particular basketball player was, um, or he might not have made the tryouts but was included anyway, or if it was, if, if it was somehow saying that, that given the same level of ability, they were somehow in the past excluded, which I would hate to think ever would have happened. So I was kind of curious about that, if you knew anything of it. Yeah, I'll let you know maybe in the next five seconds. <laughs> oh, and the other thing. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Right well, now. and the other thing we'll is just was just amazing is that both of those stories made national news. I mean, this isn't just the Down Syndrome community, and we're telling this because, you know, we all hear these stories because we're all on all these Facebook pages that support our disability. But the Today Show, ESPN picks these things up. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. We're not. St are we stalled long enough for you to find the answer, Rick? <laughs> well, and, and it might it might be an involved reading issue. I, I, nobody kind of commented on. Well, what does this really mean? I mean, how was it done in the past? That's what kind of bothered it was, me. It was one of those things where you know we asked the question, and then you know everybody else is like, oh. You know, you're right. I don't understand it either. Hasn't so, it always been that way? That's, right. you know. I, I know I was excluded from a lot of sports in middle school and high school because I was vertically challenged. <laughs> okay, so January 25th, the United States Department of Education released a new guidance that schools throughout the nation receive federal, that receive federal aid uh, modify requirements providing quality of school opportunities for students with disabilities. It's not a law, but it does identify the responsibilities that schools have and the messages coming from this is every school child with a disability must be evaluated as an individual relative to their physical activity and participation. No generalizations about the ability of a child with a disability uh, are permissible. And reasonable accommodations must be made for children with disabilities to participate in sports. Um, let's see, and with reason. School districts and schools must provide aid and services to enable students with disabilities to participate. And exclusions of students from sports is not permissible. Hmm. Therefore, if children with disabilities cannot be accommodated with the existing programs, alternatives need to be developed. Yeah. Uh, have I ever mentioned, Rick, how awesome it is to have you on this program yeah, and the fact that you know everything that's going on? <laughs> well, just, just for future, I'd be very curious as to why that what, different examples of where that was enacted and where people had been excluded that should have been included. I certainly understand in the classroom, but have trouble kind of understanding it from a sports perspective. But I hope that Luke has a very long sports um, career in his schooling. So I'd, I was kind of curious as to what that really meant. There's certain ones that's a good fit with. Impact like from Eric Dampierre and the uh, football stories from over the past year or so. In high school, the kid he wanted to play football. He wasn't allowed to, and now they made they made accommodations so that he could. So, this I think ties into that a little bit, and it, you know that whole inclusive feel that Mark was just talking about as well. So I'll uh, I'll look into this a little bit more and give you guys more updates. Yeah, just kind of curious okay, about look that. Look at one. that! We got our best guy on it. <laughs> All right, you guys ready for moments? Sure. Uh, is each of your moments going to involve a diaper? 
I'm going to make Kim do our moment. Because I do one every, well, I say every week. Of course, it's been a while. You guys can have your own moment if you want. Okay, well, let's, let's let you guys start. Come on, somebody <laughs> jump in with a good moment. Uh, good. Oh, you want to go, Rick? I don't know. Well, um, yeah, I can go. That's fine. Um, mine is like, uh, it's kind of cool. My dad had uh, open heart surgery this week, a quadruple by, and he's, he went through great. And everything worked out great. It was a really short notice thing that we found. So we're explaining to Kayla, uh, you know, what, what's going on with Pop-Up, and he's in the hospital to get his heart fixed. And she's saying heart, and she's trying to think about it. And she's like, oh, like, I love you with all my heart. And we're like, yeah, that's kind of, you know, heart. And so she's saying when he gets his heart fixed, will it be bigger so that he can love me more? And we thought that was pretty a pretty cute story. Oh, dude, that's awesome. That's sweet. That's what they did to the Grinch when his heart grew three sizes. Right. Dude, I think it's awesome he came through he came through well. Yeah, yeah thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was it was awesome and you know, it's amazing how you can find something, you know, we have a lucky family to be able to find that, you know, he had that issue and get Yeah, it. and the, you know, just the technology involved is is fantastic. Um I did I did, you know, another uh thing i did tell him i said hey dad you have something in common with a lot of uh younger kids with down syndrome now you they've gone through this so you definitely can with any type of heart surgery so so he can go to one of your associating meetings and they can all like you know share uh, uh heart uh scars <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah we went to a, a two-year-old's birthday today who uh, went through heart surgery and she's doing fantastic so yeah that's amazing all right jason what do you got buddy well, I'm, it's been so long. I've had several that have come in and gone out, but uh, I got to stick with so Dexter. Dexter's favorite word still now, much to my dismay, actually, in in the car and things like that, is is Santa. And he still very very much likes to listen to certain Christmas songs. Christmas songs, yeah. In the car. And it's starting to drive me a little crazy. I, I'm trying to uh, work back in some of the some of the songs that we listened to before and some new stuff. But he still always asks for this one Santa song. And but now, but it's it's perfect for when he's when he's um, upset or when we're hanging out. And I I'll just uh, I'll sing this this song. And now his favorite word is Santa, so he says Santa. And uh, come on, Jason, sing this song for us. Uh, it's the, you know, I don't even know the name of the song, uh, of the song, but it's the one, uh, must be Santa, must be Santa, Santa Claus. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. And it's like, who's got a beard that's long and white. Right. Santa's right. got a beard that's yep. long and Go white. Jason. Yeah, and so I'll, I will, uh, I will sing it, but I'll pause, you know, whenever there's a Santa and Dex will go, Santa. And, uh, who's got a beard that's long and white. Santa. And go, must be Santa. Dude, Love that's super. Santa. It's it's just it it slays me every time. It's awesome. It's so it's it's the perfect um, you know, routine that you set, you're supposed to set up for the speech. You 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 know, you set up the routine and then you pause and you wait for their response and it, it just works out so well and it's just it's just so much fun to listen to. Here, get here, so here's excited. what we need to do as a team here. You need to whip out your iPhone or whatever and do the the sound recorder or the quick voice or whatever it's called and get me a sound bite. Send it to yeah, me. We got to do that. Definitely. Oh, I'm sure I can do that. It's it's a pretty much daily occurrence, easily a daily occurrence. So you'll be doing it till next year. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> All right, Kim, you got one, or you want me to go? It, it beats Gangnam Style, though. That, that's oh, the Gangnam thing. God, I can't stand that. Wait, we listen to it like ten times too. a day. Yeah. Are you gonna do one, baby? Oh, what do you say? Yeah, yeah, I have one. Um, well, we got invited, Luke goes to a typical preschool, and we got invited to a um, play date on Wednesday, which is always wonderful for us to be remembered, and everybody loves Luke anyway. So we go over to the, the house, and there's a couple of kids there from our preschool, and as soon as we walk in, the other little four, another little four-year-old who, who really is one of Luke's best friends comes up to me and says, um, uh, Luke's mommy, can Luke have a sleepover with me tonight? <laughs> 
<laughs> and of course, he's only four. You don't do sleepovers. But it's so cute because he, he really wanted to have a sleepover and he wanted to pick Luke to be his first sleepover person. <laughs> that oh, just fantastic. made me feel really good. I had one as backup, but I'm not going to use it now. It's not nearly as cool as that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's all right. Here, I'm going to do this as my as my moment. Oh, I tried to play it. It didn't work. My Luke DSR <laughs> sound clip. That thing is a pain in my butt. All right, are we set? Is that a wrap? We could do this in just about an hour. Wow, awesome. Yeah, man. Okay, I'm going to do some I'm going to do some plugs. Uh, uh, I guess I'll try to do them all. Uh, we are the Downright Awesome Dads, uh, uh, Rick, Jason, and Mark. Uh, Jason would like to plug uh, downrightawesome.com. You got any shirts left, Jason? We have lots of shirts, yes. We're, 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 um, I haven't done the numbers recently, but we're, we're actually very close to covering our, our cost for the first order. And we actually prematurely made a DSRTF donation um, I think sometime before they were doing a two to one match. Um, I think I ended on like January fifteenth or January twentieth or something. So we uh, we made a, a donation before um, just before that expired, so we could get the two to one. And um, but I think we're we're very close to covering our costs. We still get orders trickling in. We need um, we need a Kelly Hampton plug or something to. to get another kickstart <laughs> all right well there you go this is not a kelly hampton plug this is a this is a downright awesome plug but there you go uh and then uh, rick up in delaware uh down syndrome daily is going on strong buddy yeah yeah we'll put your i'll put your uh t-shirts on our site again oh that's that's not, not that guarantees yeah, anything more but yeah definitely they're, they're great shirts so yeah oh okay so down syndrome daily um dot com how about uh for the DSA, dsaofdelaware.org. If you want to find out more about that, look for a new website popping up. So if you want to see the difference between an old website and a new website, dsaofdelaware.org is a good one to look there at right now. There you go, before and after. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's, those, are, those are for me. So, oh, and if you want to get more information on that, um, uh, what we were just talking about with Kim, with the um, guidance for play, leveling the playing field for students with disabilities, it's at a Special Olympics article that's out there and tim shriver's commenting on it and i'll have that on uh down syndrome daily tomorrow so okay and uh you know obviously we are um downrightawesome.com slash dsr the other things we mentioned were uh down syndrome affiliates in action which is dsaia.org and our local one is down syndrome association of greater richmond which is dsagr.com com let me add one quick thing for sure. DSAIA. Um, some of the things that are that are promoted through there are webinars, and they sometimes they have I, almost weekly. Uh, but uh, for some things, you have to be a member. So if you can't get access, contact someone in your local DSA. Uh, they probably are a member of DSAIA, and they can help you get access probably to those webinars if you don't have the official credentials. To Is do that, that your roundabout way of saying send Rick an email and I'll hook you up? <laughs> yeah, no, just say you live in Delaware. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, there you go. That was, that was really good um, information from Kim just to, like, like the Kansas City and, and you know, big big other local organizations because, you know, honestly, I never even thought about that, but that, yeah, that's a, it's a really good idea. If you're active in Twitter, go to, or, or, or on Facebook, just look at whatever, look at what the NDSS is following or look at what one of those look at what those other uh, associations are following, and there's usually you get a big list of all of the Down syndrome organizations where you can quickly just go down and like them all or follow them all, and then you'll get all the updates that you need to see. All right. So the final plug is uh, obviously if you're downloading this, I don't know if you're downloading it off our website or off of iTunes, but uh, you know we're available on uh, iTunes under uh, Down Syndrome Radio. Search for anything Down Syndrome, and then we'll come up. Because we're the best and the baddest in that arena. And uh, we'd love a subscribe and we'd love a positive review. Absolutely. Comments are great. Thank you. All right. All right. So I'm going to play my, I'm gonna, hopefully, hopefully it works. I'm going to play my, uh, my new song. My lovely wife gave me a new electric guitar for Christmas. So hopefully this uh, upgraded Ain't Seen Nothing Yet will be at least a tiny bit better than it was before. But you guys have a good week, all right? 
Oh, I was going to ask you, Rick. Well, we'll just do a quick plug. They said Rick's got some good ideas for some for some new people. So we got some we got some new guests coming up. Oh, great! Thank you. Yes. All right, here we go. When Malibu was born, always stole my heart away. The doc said he had Down syndrome, that God created him that way. I thought his future would be limited, but I was as wrong as I could get, as wrong as I could get. Ooh, and he looked at me with those big brown eyes. Said you ain't seen nothing yet. Daddy, you just ain't seen nothing yet. I'm someone no one ever will forget. Daddy, you just ain't seen nothing yet. And now I'm feeling better. Because we sort of found the cure. He needs some extra working with. And some therapy for sure. Well, it turned out a few extras Was all that it would take All that it would take And then he looked at me with them big brown eyes And, and said, you ain't seen nothing yet Daddy, you just ain't seen nothing yet I'm someone no one ever will forget Daddy, you just ain't seen nothing yet all right, guys, here's the Healthy Households this week. Fantastic. I love the new version. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Goodbye. All right, guys, take care. Bye. Bye.